Your support helps us bring fresh voices, new voices, and credible voices. Support Mind Podcast by clicking on support the Mind Podcast link on mind.net. You can also write to us at info at mind.net about any other way you would like to support Mindmakers. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Mind Podcast 73.0, your weekly source for news, views, and analysis. Uh, this is Adit Kapadia uh, coming to you on, I wouldn't even say Newsy Week or Newsy Day with Sunanda Vashisht and Pramod Kumar Buravalli. Uh, you know, just for fun, I was thinking of starting this in Hindi because uh, today I don't know if the, uh, I should use the language of the Brits. <laughs> Hindi is the language of the Brits? No, no, I shouldn't use the language of the Brits. Oh, that is English. I should start language. in Hindi. You shouldn't use Queen's English. Yes, I should not use Queen's English. I should say podcast number 73 is your Hardik Swagat. Because we are, uh, no, no, we are all British today. We are with them in there. No, <laughs> I'm with no one. I'm with myself. Uh, Sunanda was probably weeping copious amounts yesterday. For Brexit? I no. don't know. Like no. it could be tears of joy. It could be tears of uh, sadness. I was just having a lot of um, you know pleasure when I see <laughs> United was... Kingdom uh, you know mm. um, trying its best for um, four little parts of United Kingdom trying to stay together and it's just an island kingdom at its <laughs> best. I, I don't see that was another thing, na? Uh, United Kingdom. United Kingdom is one part of the 28-piece puzzle that is Europe. Yes. And United Kingdom is built out of a four-piece puzzle. Yesterday, three pieces were pulling in one direction. And Probably one, one not so hard. This yeah. is Wales. And England was pulling in a completely different direction. So you, what you have to understand is, and for all people who don't know what we're talking about yet, uh, yesterday was the Brexit vote, referendum vote. Uh, David Cameron, the Prime Minister of England, who in three months will be the erstwhile Prime Minister of England, uh, was um, said in 2015 while campaigning that he would have a referendum vote in 2016. Now, a lot of people did not expect that he would actually live up to their promise, but he did. And people, Which is a way of saying politicians should never live up to their promise. I, I don't know about that. It's, he has to pay for it. No, now. I think he was too clever by half. He made the same mistake that to give an Indian analogy that NDA made in 2004, that we won in 2003. So six yeah. months later, we'll carry our same momentum. No, what he thought was because before the elections, the Scotland referendum had happened and yeah. that happened in his favor. 2014. 2014, <coughs> before the election of um, hmm. David Cameron. So he thought he got lucky that time. He will get lucky right Right now and Scotland still happened in the favor. It's yes. England, it's which England. was uh, which was out by like about two million yeah. votes. So what what is interesting about this thing is till yesterday, till the counting uh, had not started, most of British elite were, and British media, which comprises of British elite, had all said that Remain will. I mean, they were so they were saying it with such confidence that Nigel Farage, the of UKIP, you said that yeah, uh, they, they might win by a narrow margin. Yeah, and this was at like five p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time when the polls had just closed. This has this Brexit vote has uh, just just before you get into it. I think we should just summarize what happened. Mm -hmm. So the uh, you know we have a we have a fascinating report of the Brexit election on Mindmakers. So do check it out if you haven't yet with all the numbers that matter. But uh, the Leave 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 vote was about fifty one point nine percent of the vote, which was about seventeen point four million, and the Remain vote was sixteen point one million. So uh, with a simple majority, the referendum was in favor of the Leave by about at least three point. Eight percent, which was 
a significant margin and that's I uh, and so Britain elected to vote uh, to leave the, the European Union and England the difference between the leave and the remain vote was almost two million votes so that was Scotland was 700,000 in favor of uh, remain that they want to join the European Union right Scotland wants to join so, the so we'll get into the analysis so in, in essential this is what happened and the Conservative Party and parts of the Labour were split in which part came uh, in was in remain and which part was in leave so David Cameron was in the remain part but Boris Johnson was in the leave part along with Michael uh, I, forget, I forget his last name Michael Gov and then uh, Nigel Farage from the UKIP and others so that was the most interesting part of it that the you and then a, a legislator from the Green Party said that uh, does this mean that they have voted against 98% of the UK Parliament but in a way they have but in a way it's not completely true also because you had some MPs also voting uh, conservative MPs of the Parliament in the leave camp as well so it could be different but anyways this is the summary I wanted to give now let's get into analysis so, well I, I think looking at the past hundred years of what the world has seen of uh, Europe that had 100 years prior to that basically conquered the world, made into it into different colonies, divided and conquered amongst themselves. And then when their interests started conflicting, they engaged into World War One. Then uh, one side got defeated and then imposed tough conditions on the other. Uh, that animosity existed for 20 years. Then Hitler took it to the no, next uh, high, you know crescendo, and then resulted in World War Two. After World War Two, the peace was brokered by two superpowers that had emerged as a result of the weakening of Europe. They had fought themselves and bled themselves to the extent that the Soviet Union, which was like another amalgamation, it was an artificial union that yeah. never existed yeah. prior to that uh, day, yeah. that had only taken about, uh, you know, and from 1917 from the Bolshevik Revolution to put together that union and the United States, the Western bloc that was just developing at that point to come in and broker peace and broker an uneasy peace. Now, in Brexit, one point to note is Euro was, nev was um, never uh, merged or uh, the Great Britain Pound was never merged with Euro. They were just functioning independently. What has uh, uh, triggered this is the pulling down economies, <coughs> the socialist economies of Greece, of Portugal, of uh, possibly Spain and France. <clears throat> the only two economies that were really functioning and doing well were Germany and UK. UK. So, uh, the UK being the fifth largest economy had been one of the biggest conduits for the United States to transact business with the rest of the world towards the Atlantic. So uh, uh, Rolls-Royce or your big companies okay. would then first set up in UK and then transact business via Europe. Mm -hmm. Now that is gone or about to go away and many have predicted, uh, big companies have predicted that they're, go they're going to shift their jobs, big, big jobs away from England into France or Germany or other countries. Excellent. Or not predicted, so, they've kind of hinted. Yeah. So what you have, what promoters given is an excellent background of um, how we came to this day and the whole entire European Union history. What we're going to discuss in the rest of the, you know, segment is what does Brexit vote mean? And what is the future of England or what is the future of United Nations? Should I say England because Scotland is going to go away? Okay, well, no. So let's say what is the future of United Kingdom, which is not so united at the moment. So what the vote means to me, it is an anti-immigration vote. I think United Kingdom at some point has realized that 
thousands of refugees who had come post-1973 when they acceded, when they became part of the Union, and have been coming ever since. And now with um, this huge problem in Middle East and more immigrants coming in, the this vote is essentially a vote for um, anti-immigration and a vote to preserve British identity. This is truly, because if you look the way people have voted in more cosmopolitan places, the vote is for remain. And in rural places, semi-rural places, the vote is for, um, you know, leave. If you look at the, how the demographics were split, young people, and I was telling this other this afternoon or yesterday, younger people who have actually who had won after 1973 have never seen United Kingdom as an independent thing outside of um, European uh, Union did not want to vote for unknown so they didn't know what was to what to expect but older generation that has seen an independent United Kingdom that has probably seen or known at one point the Great Britain they are sort of you know they have this nostalgia yeah. for the old great britain or the power that great you britain used to be so that is the vote that is really this is really british talking about anti immigrants no, no but i'll tell you something it's hmm. not completely that also it is against anti immigrants but it could probably be the anti immigrants who are seeing the syrian migration crisis and stuff like that yeah. so uh, the immigrants coming in from the middle east the, it might be an anti immigrant vote against them because you you have a lot of uh, neighborhoods which are quite cosmopolitan and so forth they have voted to leave as well i mean the results in birmingham were quite surprising no, and I'll tell you, this was one of the reasons. The other reason is the economy. So, the economy no, of so, entire European Union, other than what we were just mentioning, other than um, Great Britain and Germany. Uh, Germany, is not doing well at so, all. So for these countries to pick up the tab, so to speak, is hard. So a lot, and a lot of people get mistaken just like just can just see immigration in isolation, but immigration is tied to economics as well because the bottom but, line is job security. Are jobs going away? Somebody on BBC. Uh, I heard was telling about the fisheries industry saying that we want our fishes, fishes back uh, you know how that's going to impact many in industries and then I had we I saw some commentator giving an analogy on Fox News saying that just imagine uh, a, a court or a government in Canada calling shots about what United States should do in their thing how would you feel about that and I think that was the trigger and I think the, the anchor suddenly switched gear or something but to come to the main main reasons I think it's a it's a multitude of of all these reasons but I don't think what the shock as you may say is more about because people kind of had a premonition or they thought that they knew how UK was going to vote and how they were going to react uh, they probably uh, they probably were only talking to London because in London it was what 70 30 to yeah as I said London like should now um, secede from United Kingdom <laughs> <laughs> there should be a referendum within a there referendum. There should be a referendum within a referendum in London. But what I am interested in is, and I would like both your opinion about this, but you can go first. Is this the end of globalization as we know it? I think so, because uh, <coughs> globalization was essentially initiated as a, as a give and take, an import-export uh, free zone, if you will, mm. where the haves and have-nots would have an opportunity to interact and that was the ideal ideal of it, uh, you know, and the have-nots would be able to acquire technology, acquire skills and knowledge and produce something at a low cost. The haves would uh, continue to benefit, but then 
they wouldn't be engaged in doing the same thing over and over, over again. That was the luxury of the haves versus the have-nots. Uh, it had a golden run for about 15 to 20 years, I would say, from mm -hmm. um, at least 85 to 2005. Uh, but from since 2005 onwards, the after effect or the side effect of globalization is also immigration. You know, yeah. they did not expect that immigration would become such a double-edged sword. They thought the immigrant would be somebody who would be essentially subservient or mm. would be really towing their own lines on the political front. That was not uh, the case and the immigration has come back to hit them real, ba real bad. So very interesting points made by Pramod about the globalization debate and how it's going to shape uh, Britain further. Um, what's another debate also is a lot of economic arguments and given are based on speculation right now. Yes. We don't know. The pound sterling, of course, was in free fall since yesterday. It's since then recovered just a little bit, but we don't know the impact yet. Of course, this being a Friday, once the markets open on Monday, we'll see what happens. But uh, another debate which goes on is Britain was always seen as this identity in the top five countries in the world and so forth as a global superpower and stuff. Will it continue to remain so? I'm not so sure. Because with with the one identity of United Kingdom and its four constituents pulling in different directions, what is that going to mean? Scotland, yeah. so just, just, just to, Scotland may have another ref referendum. About sure, whether it they wants have to indicated it. Yeah. Northern Ireland and Wales, we're not so sure what might happen, but Scotland is the main, and Scotland is like Britain losing 30% of their area. Roughly, yes. And yes. a lot of the resources, natural resources and so forth as well. And a so, lot of economy um, right. going really in doldrums than it even is. Yeah. What I'm predicting for United Kingdom is that it is, um, well, obviously the um, days of, British Raj are over, the sun never sets on British Empire, the sun has set on British Empire. They need to gauge their new reality and um, it will remain an island nation. It has to struggle. See, the law of uh, karma is such that, you know, it is cyclical. You start and then you move around, you go up and then you come down. That's what it is. So, um, uh, United Kingdom will have to do a lot of soul searching and find its new place in the new global order. Because after Second World War, Europe had already started sort of going down. The aura and uh, respect that United Kingdom, um, you know, commanded pre-World War II had already gone down, you know. It was already playing um, second fiddle to, United, to States. United States anyway after Second World War. Now is the time for them to rethink. And um, David Cameron had actually hoped when he came into power last year, 2014, he had um, said that he is going to um, reinvent Tory party the Conservatives, and he is also going to reinvent um, European Union, so to speak. Well, he did. Exact opposite has happened. No, no, he did. It's yeah. just that he, the, the outcome wasn't his and he's on yeah. his way out. Because he's on his way out now. 
Um, Maggie Thatcher somewhere must be smiling because she was all for British identity. So no, but um, that's what I'm saying. So see, you 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 cannot even say that what you're suggesting and saying is that the ruling class and the uh, the governing and the governed had a major disconnect, which manifested itself in the vote, and that is the story. Yes. Right. Because if you say that you know the the British British identity and stuff. Does are we also to believe that the governing class was completely disconnected? That there was a uh, uh, below the political rumblings, there was a British identity movement that was taking place, and they were not addressing it. It was clearly. It was, that, that, it was clear. Exactly. From that's what I'm vote. saying. It's clear. So, so it's not about Britain reclaiming its place or anything. It's about there existing a disconnect in Britain itself and in its existing things. Because I think I believe this is going to split the Conservative Party down the middle. I, I have a different take on the, the matter. Uh, those who wanted to stay with the European Union were two different sorts of people. One is the economic right, which wanted a larger entity from a bargaining power perspective. When you have 500 million people, you have certain uh, geopolitical strength to bargain with China, to bargain with India, with uh, obviously with the United States and now a resurgent Russia. <clears throat> the social and the uh, cultural right were also, some of them were pro-European Union because they felt a pan-European identity, a pan-Christian European identity had to make a revival only through European Union. If you remember, I was always talking to you guys about the rising numbers of atheists in Europe. Mm -hmm. That has now hit a threshold. <clears throat> the threshold was somewhere around 35 to 40 percent were claiming to be atheists, were not uh, adhering to any particular religion. That is the one that is now looking only for economic benefits. You know, they, they do not care about the social, uh, you know, identity anymore. They want their old country, which was doing financially better, mm -hmm. devoid of this larger identity, seeking the, you know, it's they, they feel that they were uh, trying to. Uh, I, I think uh, hit about their pay, pay grade or, or try to uh, become much more, uh, uh, I would say, larger than the, yeah, what yeah. they had. So, but why are you know, averse to the fact that age of West is over and the age of rest is here? <laughs> I think so because uh, the West has realized uh, very lately, I don't know if there's a redemption, that, uh, you know, they've sat on laurels of their ancestors of the past 100, 150 years for far too long. They're not, uh, they're they were not really, innovating nearly as much. They were not much. really innovating. Their innovation was based on competition of fear from the Soviet mm -hmm. Union. Most of the innovations you see today in the United States were basically because uh, somebody thought uh, they needed an antidote to a hmm. chemical reaction, mm -hmm. you know, some biological weapon or something like that. You know, it's, it's just uh, not a competitive economy. No, so let me get cut to the chase here. Now, we've analyzed or we've said why, 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 why this happened and, you know, what were the reasons. How it's going to impact the world? How is it going to well, impact Well, I can the tell world? you about the United States. Travel to UK would be cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I saw people talking that, oh, dollar is now doing better against the pound. Let's go to UK again. Right. And then second is on the flip side. He, he, he the sounded negative. like a make my trip agent. Huh. On the flip side. I, I, may, I may say make my trip has not paid for any of the, the mind podcasts. <laughs> this is extremely beneficial for India. Yes. Because there are now jobs in the UK that will move back to India in droves. Mm. In droves. Mm. Which is why Prime Minister was shuttling like crazy back and forth to the United States. 
so that is the two things that i can write but about. what do you say about um, uh, uk economy in itself now because it seems that the european union is going to be on a rebound and uh, not just that i think they're no, not going to make it easy for the, them. the see the first thing people people have to realize is that the brexit is not going to happen now it's about a two year process yeah. idea and then you have to invoke article 50 but the question is how is france and germany going to react now when david cameron goes tomorrow or in the future will they say that okay that's it you know we 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 it depends on whether angela merkel remains in power or not if yeah. she leaves then germany will exit she is the only one that has held the europe no no not exit i'm saying how are they going to behave with england because are they or with uk are they going to say that the uk member cease to be the members of the european union parliament that only well that only affects uh, uh, that they, part yeah, but uh, also it affects travel and trade yes travel and trade yeah. and i think the split is not going to be amicable of course it's going to be acrimonious and they are going to impose yeah. a arm and a leg on oh. on uk to exit the european union but uh, tell me something pramod it isn't as if europe was always a very peaceful region no European countries that we now know as EU, oh, yeah. they have fought so much between themselves. Look at Europe. Look at England and France. So the Middle East of today is paradise compared to compared what to Europe what was. Europe used to be. So what's a beautiful what, line? I know. So then European Union in itself, as you said, is such a contrived yeah. union. Maybe it should have never existed. Well, Europe is a utopia again. again yeah, just like exactly. the United States came together. Just as for, uh, just as USSR was. Right. It is a utopian concept that. emanated in the 60s essentially to try to have a larger uh, you know negotiating capacity yeah. they felt that they have now even after exiting colonies have so much uh, leverage on the uh, former colonies that they can sit back and really uh, yeah. uh, earn a, earn a living for the rest of their lives which is not the case anymore and they had their own i think also to have their own set of checks and balances because mm-hmm. they had such a volatile history of mm-hmm. you know countries attacking each other this european union being in it uh, ascribing to a certain set of values ideas or something the country that would be an automatic check and balance on countries no, against each other no also it is political adit i'll tell you the fear of soviet union the fear that the united states mm-hmm. showed up the mm. european psyche mm. was so intense for 50 to 60 years mm. russia was always shown to be at the doorsteps of europe yeah. all the time where russia has never invaded or taken the steps to even go beyond a certain point of yeah. course they tried with you know ukraine but i don't think they will do it beyond that yeah. they have no so, interest so then that. let me tell ask you this before we wrap up this in a nutshell do you think it's good or bad for uh, uk the brexit well as long as the united states does not want it to happen it can continue to be a client state just mm. like north korea is for china <laughs> oh my so very interesting but no but i mean yeah he's not wrong entirely no he's not wrong about entirely you, um i'm thinking they will be able to uh, i hope actually with um, everything uh, that's an open answer given, i hope they are able to uh, so know, stabilize I, themselves so that reads as no No, in short term, I think it's going to be very, very volatile. Uh-huh. I I don't see happy days here for United Kingdom. Achhe din, definitely not here for United Kingdom. I I I personally think I 
this may be a good step if if all the possible this could have been a good step if all the possibilities would have been thought of but i think they hastily went into the referendum without without thinking what might be the consequences of things yeah. and right now what it's plaguing them is they don't know what the heck to do after mm-hmm. the referendum and it's not such a bad deal united kingdom only came together in 1707 when england and scotland came together it's okay the referendum on all <laughs> such sundry topics uh is antithesis to democracy i don't know why they got uh, that's a message from mr arvind kejriwal absolutely who by the way says to do referendum there will be a no. referendum on him and his exile no no so arnab was saying na today you should have a referendum on uniform civil code also no, yes, that affects india, everything india india will have a referendum they will ban ban him to maldives man <laughs> <laughs> india may have a referendum on making uh, delhi into union territory as shekhar gupta said i want said, to have na. a referendum on arvind kejriwal <laughs> <laughs> you, but anyway that is that is just being flippant huh. um direct democracy to this extent does not work no, I, i think referendums and they work on municipal levels yeah. but when you're talking about such an important national issue and adit made a beautiful point yesterday he said you should have only have referendums about whether to put the street lights and where to put them yeah. anything beyond yeah like signal yahan pe camera lagane signal space stuff that should you have too far otherwise why our sages of indic origin have always said that patience is the biggest virtue okay. when you have impatience embedded into a society you will hmm. have referendum on anything and everything yeah. absolutely then i completely agree with you and you cannot have referendum on such issues with lack of information right that's the end of uh, it all before we get to our uh, next topic um, i do want to say that this is mindmakers production this mind podcast is brought to you by the mindmakers team this uh, podcast is produced and edited by adit kapadia with the help of our team in india the panelists for the um, podcast are adit kapadia pramod kumar buravalli and sunanda vashisht which is me If you're still with us, you've made a fantastic choice. Like staying on in the mind podcast, I, 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 I understand the first two parts were, uh, you know, quite. Uh, uh, no, they haven't discussion. exited. They haven't exited. Yeah. You they, know, Ash- they haven't voted for leave. They voted to. Ash- Ashutosh Gowarikar actually said this. This is a very funny term. I, I, I saw this on award function that Indians have this horrendous term for anything that they are disturbed with. It's called heavy. कि कुछ मूवी देखना बड़ी हैवी फिल्म थी व्हाट द हेल इज हैवी इज इट अ गुड फिल्म इज इट अ बैड फिल्म यू डिडंट लाइक व्हाट इज हैवी एंड इफ नो वन टुडे इन दिस वर्ल्ड मैंने ये 1500 लोगों को पूछा नो वन हैज एबल टू क्वांटिफाई व्हाट हैवी इज यू नो इट्स कॉल्ड इंडियनिज्म नो इट्स कॉल्ड देन आई फिगर्ड आउट इट्स डिस्टर्बिंग व्हेन यू डोंट व्हेन यू सी व्हेन यू आर यूज्ड टू सीइंग फ्रॉट नो इट इज इट इज इंडियनिज्म इट इज अस um seeking getting away from its our brexit we don't want our, to be using our, our british terms it is our english it's called indian english are <laughs> you don't we're not going to use queen's english anymore uh-huh. this is our brexit uh-huh. heavy. Uh-huh. heavy 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 is our brexit uh-huh. i think we should have an indian dictionary heavy question mark wherever you don't want or don't understand anything and you want to comment just say it was a heavy moment uh-huh. so badi bhara bhari wo tha but anyways we are going to talk about uh, see now there we there is a reason we have not talked about uh, the raghuram rajan exit or the rexit so to speak on this podcast is because we've had a fascinating discussion with vivek dehejia on the mind debates which was two days ago so if you haven't i would urge you to go to mind.net or our youtube page and check it out on the indian economy and so forth and everything we had to say it's pretty much there so i mean there's nothing more we need to add uh then we want to talk about uh, the nsg uh, membership 
fiasco so to speak where india india was trying to get membership into the nsg but china was a roadblock and then there were other countries as well and brazil did not vote with india as well and uh, I, I found the reactions to be extremely weird i thought the uh, effort was earnest it was a very uh, odd like we are not used to such over, I mean, such um, what overt efforts, yeah. you know, we're used to our diplomacy being covert, you know, by behind the scenes, maneuver, karte, aap ye karo, ye karo, and this, this was a very overt, India had made it sure that this is what we want. Narendra Modi, when he took uh, he, the five nation tour, he, he made a, I mean, it was a planned setup for, you know, what was, it was culminating in this, but it still did not happen. Now, you had a lot of, uh, uh, for the want of a better word, idiots smarting at this thing. I, I don't think this was anything to smart about. Yes, it was a clearly a setback for Indian foreign policy, but this is not some BJP I foreign don't, policy. I, I beg to differ. I don't think it was a setback at all. Foreign policy, in any foreign policy, when you are talking about, you go out, you speak for yourself, you yes. speak in your interest, you get um, hit, you get bruised, you come back to fight for another day. That Correct. is exactly so what I'm happened. Not, no, so I'm so not... in foreign policy to say there was a defeat as a lot of people are alluding to or saying that we shouldn't have done this, we shouldn't have gone around saying that we do want an NSG uh, membership or anything. I don't think that is true and what has India given has it conceded anything has it said at any point that oh we are going to sign NPT or we are going to do or we are going to even think about NPT India is not no, no but Sunanda, I, I never used the word defeat I said setback no I was saying a lot of op-ed yeah, yeah, yeah. no the reason why I said setback is also because I mean clearly you, you you didn't get the desired outcome so you had to take two steps back so it was a setback the the, the key is now how do they respond to China because you don't just have one strategy to China there is there has to be a multi-pronged approach you have to plan for eventuality because clearly oh the chinese will come around argument is not going to work and whether you like it or not the key does lie with no, Anka. Anka. I, no, 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 I mean, no i don't mean you i mean whether we like it or not the key lies with uncle sam and it's how the us plays plays this up that's how because you are not going to get china on your side you are not you have I, to do it. You have to do it via Washington DC. I'm, I don't. I don't think the key lies with um, Obama. I'm House not saying either. Obama. No, I'm, I'm saying, saying I'm saying State this. Department. For the simple reason that uh, even with uh, United States batting for India's NSG, um, China did not give it a thought. So which tells you a little bit about the uh, global how, geopolitics. No, right but now. let me tell you how hard did they bat? See, Switzerland registered a note of protest saying what they had in two thousand eight. The US, they could have not done that this time. Brazil, Brazil wouldn't have done that. See, you have to see. It's not just that US made an overt statement saying that they are going to support NSG. Uh, that it's it's going to happen. There are a lot of background. Uh, Backstage Which thing. also tells you that maybe the position that United States thinks that it assumes in the world order right now, it doesn't. Probably, or they did not. They did not. They did not push enough. I don't think they pushed enough. Well, I don't think there is a clear. Uh, uh, to be honest with you, the timing of it is an important thing to note uh, here because <clears throat> we have a lame duck president, a president who doesn't really care at this point in time what happens. If India becomes part of NSG or not, right. you know, uh, although it could have been a great parting gift, you know, but uh, I think I, I agree with your point, Sunandaji, that uh, the United States does not have that much leverage anymore mm -hmm. with Brazil or Switzerland. India 
and china doesn't have it all uh, and india was basically trying to get at least some approvals going some uh, green lights from the united states which clearly did not happen uh, china is a different case it's it's becoming a very antagonistic uh, relationship with china very fast and uh, uh, it's a, a spot of uh, concern for me because um, they have already started accusing india of trying to subvert the china pakistan economic corridor and is this a you know, kind of a, a payback for that or is this in, uh, india trying to encircle that cpec with our own project in gwadar mm -hmm. and uh, into afghanistan we don't know all of the dynamics in it china is not a give and take sort of a western economy you mm -hmm. know at least the, in the west if uh, you have uh, a specific agreement that india needs to sign with uh, even brazil uh, a growing brazil and with its stature can at least have a give and take on an independent basis i think choosing to go via the united states was the big mistake first big mistake because i agree with you that uh, it does not have that leverage yeah. anymore second is that china was already assumed that mm. they would uh, uh, put their uh, you know negative uh, strategy you know in place yeah. so they never even went ahead and talked to it. there's never been an engagement with china for the past six months so, so but I'll tell you, also. no but that's that's where i disagree with both of you i don't think you can probably engage with china but i don't think china is going to come around even if you do you what and you actually alluded to the first first when you made the first point that the u.s president is in a lame duck phase so if you go via us what route are you taking are you just going obey on basis of what the personal chemistry that you are sharing with president obama or are you going you know are, do, is is there a connect happening on the policy makers level as well we don't know that yet brazil does china does have a lot of influence with brazil no, no, no. with all the inv investment and no. stuff in brazil i agree completely but i'm saying that there could have been a case made for this the first what what has us invested in this does us have a specific vested interest that india gets the nsg i'm not so sure no it doesn't exactly that's what i'm saying so they are not going to try that hard yeah. you have to it, it has to be a combination my thing is i don't think this is going to happen if you bring china on the table like on the negotiating table the, the nsg membership is not something that that india and china will be able to sort it out on a negotiating table india either has to talk with other people to pressure pressurize china into doing this or wait for the right moment to strike. I think India has to just wait for China. And by, by strike, I don't mean literally. I yeah, mean yeah, geopolitically. Yeah. Because I think it is going to be... Um, uh, and Mr. Modi probably realized that after engaging with China, because because we've engaged with China, you know, you had that meeting with uh, on the swing and God knows what, that this is not going anywhere. No, they had a meeting in Tashkent also. Uh, no, are both. That, that, is, that, that was not as significant. I mean, because China, we got many indications that China has probably made up their mind before that meeting even happened. Uh, but it does make us, you know, it, it is a statement that the Narendra Modi spoke about uh, NSG in that meeting in the Tashkent oh, meeting. absolutely. He so did. whenever the head of the state talks to another head of state about the thing, you cannot say it's no. not significant. It is extremely this, this significant. No, 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 no. I didn't say significant. I didn't, I didn't say it's insignificant. I said it is not, it's not as significant if when China has already made up their mind. My, my, my point is, my point is, I agree with you that they couldn't have done anything with China anyway because there's no leverage there. We have nothing on China. Yes. Uh, trying to sell Brahmos missiles to Vietnam or trying to engage in some other business deals with South Korea mm -hmm. and Japan. That is not going to uh, give you leverage. 
the only thing the Chinese fear is the United States, which is at its weakest right now. And probably with uh, Trump coming in or Hillary coming in, it will take another year for this to happen. Mm -hmm. It is a temporary setback in foreign policy. There are hundred setbacks and only one, one setback. Yes. Exactly. And uh, the strategy which they employed uh, in the wrong way was to use the United States as an influence on all of these sundry countries, hmm. uh, which they should have independently approached the other countries. Probably, I agree that United States shouldn't have, and probably the engagement should have with United States should have been on a different level as well, and not just the head of states level, because the chemistry probably there did not translate to chemistry in the foreign office. Yeah, and that is something to uh, think about. Yeah. But I am completely convinced that the way to go forward is to engage with more with United States only. I don't think China is going to come on the wall. Uh, dry, uh, well, the, that is India and um, United States are anyway going to engage. I mean, no, no, I'm talking about the NSG. I'm just NSG. talking about the NSG. The other engagements with China will happen on economic front you can do and uh, the engagement with UK or yeah. you know will happen as well. But we'll we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. So that's that, that's there. So we, we'll wrap up this week with a quick uh, talk about what's dominating on the, on the social media because a lot of interesting things are happening and uh, then just with our recommendations. So the Twitter wars took an interesting turn with uh, Dr. Swami making a statement on Arvind Subramaniam and then taking it back after Mr. Jaitley stuck his neck out. Mr. Swami is, Dr. Swami is a very interesting person. <laughs> that is the least that can be said about him. And Dr. Swami versus Arun Jaitley will always be interesting. And what is interesting is not Dr. Swami versus Arun Jaitley. What is interesting is uh, followers of Dr. Twitter, followers of Dr. Swami <laughs> versus everyone else. Dr. Swami has a phenomenal, like a body of work behind him. Yes. A phenomenal track record and he's an excellent economist. And academic. And academ academic, no question. And you know his interventions in the parliament have been great you know um, his uh, uh, his thing at the emergency I say that because you know as we record this is the anniversary of the emergency one of the darkest periods. Dr. Swami has a great um, career behind him and he has really done well but at times he loses sight of uh, a lot I don't of think he should have gone after the bureaucrat Shanti Kanta Das and or uh, Arvind Subramaniam or even Raghuram Rajan made that so loud if he had problems, there are, um, um, you know, party forms. Now that he's part of BJP, he's not Janta Party. And he's a member of parliament. He's a member of parliament. There were places and ways to do it. Um, he has to get rid of his, um, uh, you know, that acidic language. Acerbic, you mean? Acerbic language. It does not suit an academic like him. It does not suit a... Uh, a giant intellectual like him because I have a lot of respect for his scholarship. So for a man of his stature, this kind of name calling, this kind of giving names to everyone, you know, does not suit him. It does not work well. It may work well to sort of get your um, followers in frenzy. But Dr. Swami has seen so much of life. He does not need it. It's not like he is launching himself in politics. He does not need all this. So um, I, I, I don't know who can tame Dr. Swami. I don't think anybody is born to tame Dr. Swami yet. But I hope for some divine intervention and I hope he sort of understands that, um, you know, it does not behove his stature. Yeah, I agree because um, having known Dr. Swami for a long, long time, he has uh, obviously taken cudgels on the 
um, anti-corruption front he's really done a great job nobody can deny um, that yeah. on the ram setu issue and so many other you know social cultural issues as mm-hmm. well uh, monster over as well but uh, yes absolutely and uh, Uh, but sometimes you know i don't know if there is a set of advisor advisory team i know that there used to be one but uh, if they prod him into getting into too many things it's uh, i have known personally known many people who basically prod dr swami into unknown waters all the time and out of his uh, good heart or out of his good genuine feelings he either comments or he basically wades into that issue unknowingly or you know uh, you know out of sheer uh, uh, i think prodding that is what needs to be avoided uh, you know this is a crucial year for narendra modi and for india most importantly uh, for from an economic perspective because gst is right around the mm-hmm. corner there is infrastructure that is propelling the growth for india there is so many different things that are needed but not acrimony at the top uh, specifically it, with respect to the economy Arvind Subramanian is an economic advisor. He is not no. somebody who determines how the economy functions. Works. Yes. Same goes with the finance minister. No, no, and there is a difference, Pramod. Arvind Subramanian was appointed by the NDA the government, government 6 months after it came into power. Raghuram Rajan was appointed 9 months or 10 months before the NDA came to power. My so point, that is a there is point, a big my, difference. My, my my point, my submission is on this is Adit that you know I have advisors too. Hmm. But if you think that the advisors have so much power on me as a person then you are undermining me so dr swami by undermining appointments by narendra modi uh, is not blaming that person who is the advisor or the the officer but he is actually blaming narendra modi indirectly or directly and this is what he has to avoid doing so much respect for him yeah. uh, great work that he has done for the past 15 so 20 years on the corruption anti corruption front Uh, I don't think there. This is needed at this point. Right, I agree. Yeah. So, um, just to wrap it up, uh, Pramod, what are your recommendations for this week? Actually, I have been literally tired and sick, but uh, um, I would recommend uh, any good bhajan that uh, gives <laughs> you peace of mind. Yeah, he's 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 harrowed after the podcast discussion. He's like, "Bhot heavy ho gaya." What about you, Sunanda? Um, through this medium, I actually want to take a minute and. talk about amjad sabri who was shot dead in mm. karachi 3 days ago it has been very tough 3 days for me because i grew up on sabri brothers kawali kawali is a very favorite genre of mine a man who sang for allah throughout his life was killed in the name of allah i don't know what is the biggest irony than that so um i have been very very disturbed by the fact that this 45 year old man his um his life was cut short so brutally like this when he was in the car um we're not going to go into depth about what um <laughs> you know islamic fundamentalism we have had enough discussions about that but i just want this to be in his memory sabri brothers he was father of maestro glam Farid. He was his father was Maestro Glam Farid um, Sabri, who gave us these major um, Kavalis. Who along with uh, Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan, they were the doyens of Kavali mm. in the subcontinent. And now with them gone, with Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan gone, with Amjad Sabri gone, Kavali stands orphaned. 
I and Sufism and too. Sufism stands orphaned as well because these are some major proponents of uh, yeah. Sufism. I would recommend people in his memory to listen to this particular Kavali called Tajdari. I was just about to it say is, it is. It will just move you like nothing else. I would also recommend everyone has sung uh, Damadam Mastakalandar, but you should also listen oh. it the way Amjad Sabri has um, sung hmm. and numerous other kawalis that he and, has and not given. the tajdare haram that atif aslam sang in the kok studio no, look no, up no, no. the live version listen live to it version live version of tajdare haram that he has sung that amjad sabri himself that man was hmm. born to sing kawali and uh, this is in um, and jholi um, uh, saying that kawali as uh. well um, it is a sad day for the world of music in Ah, it was a, an, I think, uh, who tweeted Nali, uh, Nalia Inay Inayat or someone tweeted about that Sonu Nigam and uh, yeah. uh, um, um, Sabri uh, in a concert in Karachi in 2004 doing a Jugal Bandi on Sonu Nigam's song. Yeah. I was actually going to give a recommendation but you know, in reverence to Sabri, Sabri Sab and what has happened, I'm not going to say anything else. I mean, listen to this, you yeah. know, this was just... This is a combined recommendation, combined recommendation. from all three of us it's, today. Yeah. Um, but, but it's... It's tragic what tragic. happened and the way the Pakistan is going is just incredible. I mean, two gunmen on a motorbike came and pumped bullets. As I said, a man who did nothing but sing in the praise of Allah was killed for, for Allah. I mean, this is, I don't know what is a bigger irony than that. Yeah, just a sad on, day. On, on a sad day. And Sunanda has an announcement, I believe. Yes, I have another announcement and I am just so tired and so sing of Adit that I'm just going to leave him and I'm just going to go away Adit. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I'm, I'm not going to leave her for doing that. No, 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 no. before, no. before yes. the markets start crashing because I'm just so important. <laughs> You're taking the capital away from I'm the United States. I'm taking the capital away. So before the market starts crashing, yeah. pound and rupee starts crashing, I just want to say that I'm going to be away for um, two or three podcasts. I'm traveling and I am but I will be uh, you know mm. available I'll be writing mm. I will be on the social media talking mm. I cannot stay away but from by chance listening. if you are in Kazakhstan or Uzbekistan you might have a chance to meet Sunanda <laughs> because that's where she's planning to go they will know where I am yeah. I will be reporting from everywhere but once in a while all of us we individually also need to take off and go into ground zero and get information get stuff get Hmm. see what is happening to be able to come back hmm. and talk to you guys hmm. so that's exactly what we are doing we have done it from Pramod has done it Adit has done it oh, and she's it. also going to trying to prove that when she is in ground zero her information is as accurate as ours is from Houston so <laughs> <laughs> that could be a good thing or a bad thing yeah but I'll miss you guys but I will be back pretty soon yes we'll miss you as well Sananda and like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter my podcast is not going anywhere we will be back next week uh, uh, with more me and Pramod and uh, we'll, with more surprises with more discussions on it who knows they might have another UK might have another referendum <laughs> so I know but uh, but but uh, j just you know give us your suggestions say uh, say where we're you know what more you want to hear and we'll also have some very interesting columns coming up till then it's a goodbye from Adit Kapadia thank you for joining us this week